Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. Welcome, everyone. We are the Geek Patrol, and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today, we're joining you from Alan Gilbreth's backyard, where he is preparing his hot tub to marinate his annual Thanksgiving Day ostrich. Yes, indeed. I don't know why Sounds gasoline about- has to be involved. It Alan, always is. Yeah. <laughs> there's, 50, there's 50 pounds of onion to go in there, and you ought to see the bag of uh, rosemary and yeah. all of all of the bay leaves. Four days takes. of marination. Okay. I just want to know why Scott ran away with the giblets. I don't know. You don't want to know. <laughs> just don't want to know, man. <laughs> anyway, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. Yeah, our annual holiday edition. So Alan's a weirdo. I don't know what he did. You can't do anything small. I'll give Alan's you that. the weirdo, but you're the one who booked us here, Joe. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And we have a special guest, uh, a really interesting guest that we're going to in- introduce momentarily. Well, gentlemen, we survived the uh, 13th annual Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. I'm not superstitious, I, but I'm kind of glad to have this one behind. We, we've been us. putting up each other that long. I, yeah. We've been oh putting up, well. We've been putting up with each other a lot longer than yeah, that. Well, that's true. It was it was 13 years ago. We brought Joe into the fold. Mm. Yeah, good point. So, but it, 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 in our new venue, and I have to say, yeah, it's pretty was, uh, flawless. Yeah, it nice. I, so, I I had a great time, and it's. I, I know I say that every year at the end of the convention. It was a great convention, but this is the first time in a long time where it's like the venue itself inspired me to go next. Yeah, exactly. So And so, on the way out the door, yeah. had a little conversation with the members of the venue, and they told me that we were, without a doubt, in the last several years, their favorite group. Oh, absolutely. And they cannot wait to have us back. And they really meant it, too. So, well, on that vein, why don't we... uh, Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to do one more thing. Brandon, I cannot (laughs) wait to get to this conversation later. There's apparently a lot of intrigue behind the Coyote versus Acme. Uh, It's kind of that part live action, part computer animation movie. It's in the Space Jam Roger Rabbit style of Looney Tunes movie. And yeah, there's there's been some uh, funny business, so to speak. Yeah, and 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 Brandon's going to unpack that uh, for us. So um, that's coming up later in the show. But uh, let's circle back. This is a perfect opportunity to introduce our special guest. Her name is uh, well, her name was Lizzie Endicott, but now she's married to uh, her husband Jack. And I hope I pronounce this right, Lizzie. Lizzie Ben Ben Campen. Bine Campen. Sorry about that. Pretty close. We but- apologize, Jack. We butcher everyone's name at least three times before we get it right. Right. And Lizzie, German. you are not a stranger to us. You've been you've been to every Memphis comic and fantasy convention, more yeah. or less, right? Yeah, more or less, yeah. So you were at the first one. You posted a picture uh, of your of yourself at the uh, t- the 2010 convention, which we oh, don't man. talk about. It's, it's the Voldemort of MCFCs. <laughs> we do not mention it. We don't like th- we don't but like it. It is legendary. Yeah, it is legendary. There were so many mistakes, as you would expect with a first year event. But it, we're going to get your take on what it was like to be a. You were a kid basically back yeah, then as yeah. an attendee, but now you've matured, and now uh, you're an artist. You were a featured artist. At the last, uh, the 2023 convention. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get a pretty interesting uh, perspective from you about all this. So we're looking forward to hearing, and your, your art is, or your, what do you, your art branding. Artist name basically is Luzumaki. Pretty cool. So you're obviously a big anime fan. Oh yeah. And I want to say on the air, you were really nice uh, to give me a, I made a comment about the uh, Captain Levi 
print that you had made it was really outstanding and uh you gave you gave me one i was yeah. really, and it's go it's on my wall oh, cool. proudly awesome. so i appreciate it but well you guys what do we, should we do a little recap and lizzie we want I, you I to chime in mm-hmm. and then uh, when we come back we're going to focus on your your art but okay. what do you i mean hot takes here you guys so. okay um i guess my hottest take is uh this was the first time I've worked I've worked the convention from an actual work standpoint where I enjoyed doing registration as much as I did anything else. Yeah, we all kind of did. It's like, it's like we all took turns at the registration desk. So we got to see a ton of new folks who had never been to an MCFC before. And it just that right there kind of blew me away. It's like, you know, whenever you see the new people. Oh, and, that's always fun. You know, well, but but um Alan, you said it. The the venue could, I mean, the general manager who looks like he's about 25 years old. I, I was going to say 12, but I love yeah. Will. Will was great. The whole staff made a point of just telling us how happy they were we were there, which you don't get. Trust me, folks, if you run an event, you don't always yeah. get that, especially yeah. if you're a- You get that when you pay the bill up front, they talk about how excited they are for your event. And then they all disappear when you're finishing your event. Oh. Or they're like, Until they they're give you that look of, hey, don't spill any glitter on the carpet. Or, 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 yeah. or hey, uh, we got a new contract for you to come sign because uh, uh, we this was profitable for us. Yeah. <laughs> but Alan, you were, you know, oh, on no, the I, ground, you were you were kind of canvassing the whole. Well, you know, I was kind of hanging out with the building engineer most of the weekend, uh, yeah. you know. You know, it's got, we speak the same language, so, you know, we kind of hooked up on Friday night, and, and you know, it just, it was great having the staff so involved. Yeah, absolutely. And they were, and the best thing is that a lot of them were, because the I already knew a couple of people there, so they were coming to me with the questions. Okay, so what is that? Well, what are you doing this? Why do you do that? And no, you they, had to translate. And then they were like, oh, that is so cool. The other thing that happened was Cumulus really kicked in big time with oh, the convention yeah. this time. Yep. And the number of people that came up to me all weekend and go, Oh, I love you, Nerd on nine you know, at ninety eight one and I we love you on ninety eight nine and we love you at you know, I was like, Cool. And then they were like, Are you Joe or Alan? Yeah, we kind of. Yeah, yeah. Know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, then I was just kind of like, all right, the Joe is over there. I'm over here. You know, so I was I was very unhappy with you grabbing me uh, to introduce me to people because you know how I am when I'm like I've, I've got I'm trying to make a beeline from one thing to another because I had a fan Joe, bus and I was chucking. Well, no, you and, under. and I and I and I I appreciate meeting the fans. I do, but. A few years ago, Joe was like, all right, I'm going to step back. I'm, I'm still going to take care of logistics and everything else, but you're the chairman now. You, I never realized just how busy it was because our first year back is mm-hmm. when I was chairman, COVID. Yeah. You know, we had COVID numbers. It was very short. And then last year was our last year at the Marriott, but you could find me anytime. I had been called from one end to the other, and I was rushing. And you go, hey, Brandon, meet your fans. It's like, I, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was needed in the game room for, but I never made it in time. Well, I want to just say this, too, before we hit the break. I want to give a big shout out to Jesse Gaston because we had the our cosplay contest with Standing Room Only. She she runs such a nice production. And uh, my only thing I think I would improve next year is the lighting. But uh, other than that, lots of success this weekend, including from our special guest, uh, Lizzie Bine, Lizzie, Lizzie, who had a great weekend as an artist. And we're going to hear about that when we come back here on Geek Tank Radio. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98 won the max. Your hippogriff just went number two in my front yard. The Geek Patrol is back. 
I mean, I thought we established Wingardium Leviosa takes care of that issue, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, Especially if you want to yeah. fling it back. <laughs> you got to make so sure sad. you have the uh, the 30-gallon bags for that. Absolutely. Mm. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your breakfast. Mm. I'm Joe Not Thorson. <laughs> Here with my buddies uh, Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass. And a special guest who we're going to uh, converse with now, Lizzie Beinkampen, yeah. uh, who runs Liz- Lizumaki Art. Is that, was it Lizumaki mm-hmm. Art, or that's just your it's artist just Lizumaki, name? It's Lizumaki Artist name, yeah. So it's like Spock. You have one name for your art. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Liz, we're just going to call you Lizzie for the point mm-hmm. of this conversation. Lizzie, we've seen you. We've watched you grow with the convention. You were what, like a little scrawny teenager yes, when you first started? Yes, I was probably like maybe 11 or 12 years old, probably. At the yeah. Point. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize you were at the very first one, mm-hmm. the very first uh, Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention in 2010, which we, I, well, I personally don't like to talk about that one because <laughs> all we look at are all the mistakes. But I'm curious, what did you experience? You're, you're a kid. You don't care about all the logistical nightmares we were having. What did you think? I thought it was just like a whole nother world. Like I was, uh, I didn't get out much as a kid. So when I went to a con of all things, it was just like huge to me like big bright colors like people dressed up like people had candy bowls all over their booths and you know that's that's just a kid's fantasy basically just seeing characters and cartoons and their favorite comics and it was just a blast now as far as your art so you're 11 how were you still pursuing art at that i mean because i don't know when people start you know when they my family like Everybody on my dad's side of the family are practically an artist, an artist some way, like comic related, sketches, painting, all of them, just one way or another, an artist somehow. So I was exposed to art at a very young age and I was drawing at that time. I was trying to draw my own little comics and mangas and stuff because I was already exposed to that at a very young age. Were you yeah. writing too? Yeah, I was try- I was trying my best to write. I mean, I probably didn't have the the skills at the time, but yeah. See, this is folks, if you're out there and you've never been to a convention, believe it or not, and Alan and Brandon, you you mm. guys know that. Oh, yeah. This is a huge celebration of the arts and we're not kidding. I mean, this is you you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure your teachers were trying to get you interested in Mozart and mm-hmm. and uh, Picasso and all this, but oh, yet yeah. Your gateway into art was mm-hmm. the the convention scene. So oh, yeah. I mean, there's something to that. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all out there on the table. So. Well, one of the things we've always been very uh, adamant about with MCFC is the promotion of the arts. It's the the impetus behind uh, Geek 101 and the various things we've done with the schools. So to actually see a, I mean. After your sales this past week, I'm going to say a success story <laughs> of someone who started off as, you know, who was at our first con, you know, was into the scene, and now you're, you're, you were our featured vendor. I mean, you know, you walk in the door, and it was you, and it was Laddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Lizzie, so you, and we, we've, we should also acknowledge you, you're a cosplayer, and do you mm-hmm. make your own cosplay? And- yeah, I typically make them make them myself. I, my first cosplay, I, my uncle bought it for me. It was from a, a very obscure manga that not many people know about so i didn't get a lot of recognition for it but then mcfc came around again and i made my first cosplay as ash ketchum uh gender bender gender bend of that one and it was it, it was a big hit so i it just further 
sunk my feet into the convention lifestyle, basically. Because that's all art, folks. I mean, so, okay, let's fast forward. This weekend, you finally, after years, you you had the confidence. And it takes a lot of guts to yes. set up as an artist. I mean, yes. I don't know if people realize that. You're putting your soul out there yeah. and you're hoping. So you set up and you, you told me you had very modest goals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what was your hope? Um, I, I, social media, I was trying to do my best to sell my art on there and it really wasn't working as well for me as people like kept on telling me to do, like promote it as much as possible on Instagram and all this. So I kind of like tripped up a little bit on Instagram and just didn't really get my flow of sales and stuff like that. So I was like, maybe I can do try in-person booths basically. And I did MCFC just kind of celebrate that being my first con and I was like it's appropriate to have my first booth at the first con I went to and I can say like wow like the the amount of sales I got were a lot just it over exceeded my expectations I was really only expecting to sell like one piece but I almost sold my whole inventory and then even after that people were still like hitting me up online after the con because they saw me at con and go. asking me like do i have websites when am i going to open a website am i willing to ship a print to them like from my house and just there you, know, you go it was just a lot just it was amazing honestly and your booth looked great too i mean well it just goes to show Everything old is new again. Mm-hmm. All right, the Instagram and all that stuff is great, and it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the old fax machine. Whether mm-hmm. you used it or not, you had to have one. Yeah, you got to have a website. You got to mm-hmm. have a presence. Nothing is ever going to replace the experience right. of having people walk up to the booth, mm-hmm. and then they suddenly realize, oh wait, you're the artist. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of get that. Did you get that look a bunch of times? Oh yeah, I think I think a a big part of it was uh, people really wanting to become friends over you know similar hobbies and exactly. just anime in general and stuff. So it was really nice getting to know people who really looked up to my art for over the years. And like, this, I even had one customer uh, come up to me and tell me she came to the con specifically to find my piece and huh. i was just oh but that that got my heart <laughs> well keep me going for another year yeah. easy, right. easy that's the other part it's not you know artists need motivation and this mm-hmm. is the kind of motivation yeah. that happens yeah. so and and honestly the fact that you know as soon as you had posted and tagged mm-hmm. everything that you were going to be there to begin with mm-hmm. uh you know we start seeing traffic on our site you know where, oh. where things are going and I think it, it with with that one of the things we're trying to do, you know, in future is we're going to feature more of mm-hmm. our our vendors, especially our artists. Right. And uh, you kind of are part of the inspiration for That's that. That's awesome! Oh my god. Hey, Lizzie, we don't want to hit the break before mm-hmm. people. Uh, how do people find out more about your art? How do they visit? I have an Instagram page uh, called Lizumaki. It's underscore Lizumaki underscore, and that's where you can find me. Spell it. L i z u m a k i, just like Uzumaki from Nard. Very slick. You know, I will give you this too. You you said this was your first year. Uh, This looked like you look like an artist booth that had been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. So hats off. But Lizzie's going to be a part of the panel. We're going to continue the conversation uh, today. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about the Coyote versus Acme movie. (laughs) You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. Even the Borg refused to assimilate them. The Geek Patrol is back. 
Well, Alan, I think all of your artificial parts kind of messed up their programming, and <clears throat> they, they just gave up. So. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. There was an assimilation. Okay. <laughs> I wondered what was wrong with this guy. Okay. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. We're just going to ignore They're that They're all one. making wine, aren't they? Yes, they uh, are. I'm Joe Thordeson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass, and our uh, special guest, Lizzie Beinkampen <laughs> from uh, Lizumaki uh, Art. You know, I is it Lizumaki art or is it just Lizumaki? It's just Lizumaki. Like that's kind of like just my name as an artist, basically. Okay, that's your one like Sting and Spock and everything. <laughs> so okay, well uh, we've been hearing. If you're just tuning in, we were hearing about her journey from uh, being an, a con attendee to a con artist. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so, yeah, you know, but I, he's been waiting for years to oh, say that. Actually, it just kind of just kind of came to mind. Yeah. Actually, but Lizzie, uh, we want you to. Stay Stick it, stick around with the mm-hmm. conversation because Brandon, this is super interesting. We're living through, <laughs> we're living we through some hey, weird unprecedented times. times, my friends. Unprecedented yeah. times. So uh, we let's set the stage. Uh, a few years back, we hear that John Cena is attached to a Looney Tunes movie. Mm-hmm. Now we all love John Cena; he's insane. Can but, he you know, pull that off? When we can yeah. see him, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so he, he's attached to this movie, uh, Coyote versus Acme. He's playing the bad guy. He's the representative from Agme. He's wanting to stop the lawsuit. The Coyote's tired of it. He's he's suing Agme for all the faulty products he's bought over the years. He hires <laughs> Will For he hires Will Forte to be his lawyer, which right there, that's gonna be a problem because I mean Will Forte is the lovable loser of, of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, well, this movie has been made. It's completed. All the ADRs done. There's no there's no special edits that need to be done. All the animation's done. It was supposed to come out sometime this year. Of course, the strike, you know, things got pushed back a little bit. But as soon as the strike was over, David Zaslav's in his wonderful uh, mindset decides, we're going to shelve this movie. It's completed. It's been to, through test screenings. People who are in the animation uh, industry are like, this is amazing. This is, it's testing in the high 90s. People love it. And it it's a Looney, generations. Everybody and it's a Looney it. Tunes movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just say it. The second Space Jam is a horrible movie, but it made money. Sure. The formula would be there. right. Yeah. Well, Zaslav's like, nope, nope. We're we're gonna make more money in the tax write-off, so we're gonna shelve it. And nobody's ever gonna see it, and this created a ton of backlash. Now we know that Zaslav has shelved a lot of things over uh, during his tenure, and he's only been there what a year, maybe eighteen months. Yeah, he came sounds with a very. He yeah. has. He, he has. Yeah. He has yeah. Uh, shelved Bad Girl, which only needed some special effects done. He shelved. Uh, Scooby Scooby Holiday Haunt. You know, I mean, it's a Scooby Doo movie. It's gonna make money. These aren't obscure. These titles, are not. I mean, no, yeah. no. And then there's a lot of smaller things that were, you know, strictly to for HBO Max that he silently pulled had pulled off the service and sent away where no one will ever see him again. Well, there's a lot of backlash on this one because a lot of people have seen this movie and they're like, "There's no reason this shouldn't be put out." After all this industry backlash, he's kind of reversed the decision. He's like, we're not going to distribute it, but we will allow the producers to shop it around. Amazon wants it. Netflix wants it. Apple TV wants it. Uh, You know what? You know who's going to end up with it? Probably Paramount Plus or Peacock. And they deserve it because they put the effort in. But that's not where it ends. Yes, we're going to get this movie finally. But uh, Joaquin Castro, who's a senator out of Texas, is looking at this and he's like, all right, these are these are predatory federal uh you know violations 
These, you know, he's yeah, these are manipulative practices. This is literally tax fraud. Right. So he's called for an investigation. So now Congress is getting involved. Oh boy. So, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the only thing about that, Brandon, is to me what that could it, it means. When are we actually going to get the movie? Because um, now it's going to be all tied up with all this. Stuff. Well, no, no. The thing about the investigation, the investigation is not into the movie. The investigation is into Zaslov and the practices that uh, Max has been doing. Not our Max. Our Max is cool, but you all yeah. know how I feel HBO about yeah. Warner Brothers Discovery's Max service. With all these different things going on, it's a good ch- it's a good chance that we may have some other Warner delays because of this, but we're going to stop seeing movies get shelved. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're starting to hear to hear now from people who were in the test screenings and people who have uh, you know their mindset is changing. Warner Brothers has always been one of the big guns, right? And uh, Speaking of guns, you know who one of the producers is on uh, Coyote vs. Acme? I think I can guess. Yeah. James Gunn. Okay. <laughs> so That doesn't know. sell me. I don't like James well, Gunn. Well, no, but, okay. but, but anyway. remember, he is he is Warner Brothers' darling when right. it comes to the new DCU. We, um, we're hearing from people like Brian uh, Dunfold, who was the director on uh, No One Can Save You, which was a big hit this past year. It was a sleeper hit, but all of a sudden... This movie that was made for almost nothing is made, making you know three hundred million dollars in profits, and he apparently was had a treatment of something that he was taking to Warner Brothers that he is now refusing to you know to do any business with them. Yeah, why would you want to do business with a company where you don't right. even know if it's going to make it? So. And this is one of the things the guys who did Batgirl, who you know, they uh, they also worked on uh, uh, Miss Marvel, right? Uh, they came out and they were, you know, they were saying the movie was a labor of love. They just wanted people to see it. They didn't really even care about the profit. They got paid. But now nobody's ever going to see their movie. The same with the guys who worked on Scoob and the various other things that have been shelved. And now it, it just genuinely looks like fewer people in Hollywood, now that the strike's over and people are wanting to work, want to work with Zaslav, which is going to affect WB's slate across the board. Can he be fired? I mean, can they, He's a they CEO, out? Um, but there's enough board members that they could pretty much, you know, uh, uh, they could string him up. They could run him out of town. Uh, he, he may just be um, a memory. Yeah. I, I'm seeing the next movie coming out from one of the other big producers. Oh, you know, uh, called I, the Warner, you know, the Warner producer. Oh, you and it's going to be yeah. a takeoff of the original producers. Uh huh. And it's going to be a sad musical as they run Zavloff out of the business. I would love to. I would love to say that the you know that that that'll happen, but you know, it's just going to end up being a Netflix original. That's okay. Uh, I'm, I could go with that. I don't know, man. It's it. You know, the thing about it is, you're making art. You're you're part of it is you're trying to create hype and excitement yeah. for a movie. And if your studio just has this reputation, I mean, I don't know, yeah. man. It's just it's a poison pill. Well, I mean, you know, and and this is one of the things, and it's starting to affect you know other people because you know Gunn was talking about how legacy's going, and people he's like in the next movie, and people are like, you may not get another movie. Legacy may get shelved. All right. Yep. Well, we're going to continue unpacking the drama when we come back here on Geek Tank Radio. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio on 98.1 The Max. If growing orcs in the backyard was easy, everyone would do it. The Geek Patrol is back. 
I mean, that's true. Uh, <laughs> fertilizer is the key. Them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you need them so they can keep dunking the ostrich in the. Right. Yeah. It's it's the what do you you know I don't like the treatment that you give them after they're full gro- fully grown, Alan. That's the, yeah. Anyway, let's move it along. This is a depressing topic. And welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thordeson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max over there behind the glass and our special guest uh, Lizzie uh, Beinkampen from Lizumaki. That's her <laughs> artist name. I should have just introduced you that way. Uh, if you're just tuning in, Lizzie has grown up with the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. You showed up when you were about 11 years old to the first one in 2010, and then you uh, were a vendor at last week. Uh, for the first time, you were an artist guest at the uh, Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. Sold out pretty mm-hmm. much most of your stock. Yep. Had a great time, and we're looking forward to having you uh, next year. So, Brandon, this whole thing, I think we ought to ask, get Lizzie's take on this. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the Coyote versus Acme movie, so, which is being shelved. Also, right. it's not the first. There's been, you know, no, Batgirl. No. There, there's been others. There, and, there's, there's been plenty of them. But, yeah, Lizzie, you're an artist. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine that someone commissions a piece of you, for you, oh, from you. And it's like, <laughs> it's going to be this big mural that's going to mm-hmm. be out in public. People are going to see it, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. But then you put all your time, all your effort, all your heart and soul into this thing. And you're really excited for people to see it. Mm-hmm. And then the guy ahead of you, you know, who was paying for all this, goes, you know what? I'm just going to hide it in my back vault and nobody's ever going to see it. I'm going to take a tax write-off on the mural. How do you oh. feel about this? Oh, I cringe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, the higher ups, the higher ups for movies probably feels more like alg- algorithms for me in social yeah. media. Oh, yeah. Where, like you work so hard on a piece and you're so proud of it and you go to post it and you get like one like and it's probably like an Instagram bot telling you to post it on their art page. Right. It's oh. <laughs> basically what it seems like to be. It's someone who basically likes it so that it'll show up in their uh, inventory for shirts they're mm-hmm. selling later basically, on. Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Being an artist, it, take, it takes courage like we mm-hmm. said, but this is a whole di- yeah. this is a calculated, this is strictly right. about money, but well, yeah. I and, think it's very uh, foolhardy because okay. It's not just about money when you're making art. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's you. You put a piece of yourself in anything mm-hmm. that you make. Yes. Yeah. You know. So let's ask it from a different point of view. Hey, Alan, as <laughs> someone who's been known to exploit artists, I, I'm sorry. That, you know, you're a publisher. Um, I was. I how, was. How? Yeah. Uh, what would I mean? What is your take from? I mean, I know there have been books you've had to suppress for other reasons. Well, but they're your writing, so it didn't matter, you know, because you were like, okay, this is going to be a little too much. It's going to cause riots. Are you mm-hmm. trying to play yeah. devil's advocate? Well, for I want to see, I wanna see the... if if Alan can give us what might be going in the mindset of Zaslov. Well, I know exactly what's going through Zavzov's mind okay. is he's taking a look at it. And again, I'm going to pick on the producers, right? Because that's exactly what this is. So he has a business and then he has a bunch of accountants. And they're sitting around going, well, what is the risk? What is the risk versus reward on any project? So as an artist or as a writer or as a filmmaker, you look at people and at the convention, Mm -hmm. you put a lot of your work into it. And, hey, my work was worth the 40 bucks. You're going to pay me for this print. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's step it up. Let's say you're going to go to an art book. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, see, now an art book is going to cost you a little more. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to the late, great Mitch Faust, who had the world's greatest way of producing an art book. 
He had a Patreon system, mm -hmm. and basically he pre-sold his art book, and he would pre-sell 20, 30,000 copies oh, of man. it. And then for his guests that purchased that little extra, he gave them that little extra. They got an original. Mm -hmm. They got a print. They got a signed. They got so his risk versus reward was, hey, if you guys like my stuff, mm -hmm. trust me with your 20 bucks and I'm gonna send you a great book. Right. And he did this for decades. So that and I am crushed that I'm not gonna get one next year. So I, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just saying. There's something we need to talk about off the air. There, there's going to be. There's an end to the mm -hmm. Mitch Faust production at this point. May he rest yeah. in peace. So now let's step up to a movie. You want to go to a movie? Well, now somebody needs two million dollars, ten million dollars, a hundred million dollars, and now you can play an accounting game where, well, we put fifty million in. We insured it for this much. And we are going to place this much as a lost revenue versus something we made money on. And like the producers, we could make more money by not releasing it than we can get our money back. Alan, what you're describing reminds me exactly of the robot producers on Futurama. It is oh, yeah. strictly oh, just God. about numbers and graphs and everything. And that's a pretty bleak future for art, if that's what it is. And I mean, well, it's not going to go well. Nobody's going to want to do business with Well, Warner and anymore. exactly because what you're missing is that human element that makes something click. You're missing the excitement. You're missing the chemistry. You're missing the reason this project worked or this project failed. Because we've had $100 million projects that tanked. An, an algorithm. The flash. We're going to go ahead and just say the flash. Yeah. yeah. And an algorithm. was terrible. And an algorithm would never have told you that Napoleon Dynamite is going to make like a billion dollars or whatever. It oh, my gosh. Something, On so. paper, that had to look like a train wreck. So we I have think got the worst looking people in the world going to do the dumbest things we can think of them to do. But what they didn't get was you liked everybody you saw on the screen. And, and art is unpredictable, and you can't yeah. predict what's going to happen in the zeitgeist. That. So, yeah. And, and, but uh, if you just keep you know, making it about numbers, I now think we're going to be following like, this story. Yeah, but you have yeah. a character like the coyote, he is the universally loved loser. Yeah. yeah, he's this never going to catch that bird. This is guaranteed money. <laughs> oh so. yeah, and it's you know if he's if he's handled with kid gloves and yep. produced properly, and you portray him truly. Don't make don't mock him. Don't make fun of him, but portray him like he was in the cartoon book. You're going to have another Roger Rabbit on your hands. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll definitely be following this story with great interest. Um, but um, hey, Lizzie, before we get out of here, I just want to remind you know people might be just tuning in. How do they find out more about your art? We want to get them in touch. Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at Lizumaki underscore Lizumaki underscore underscore. Okay, spell that again one more time. Underscore Lizumaki L I Z U M A K I underscore Lizumaki. That sounds complicated. Okay, we'll have to post a link. <laughs> it doesn't matter, complicated or not, we're out of time. Thanks for coming in, Lizzie. We sure appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. But uh, until next week, we are the Geek Patrol, and I am Joe Thorderson. I'm Lizumaki. Liz. I'm Alan Gilbreth. I'm Maximilian for once in this show. And I'm Brandon Olmstead, trying to figure out exactly how much I could make by shelving this show.